0: Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brothers and sisters, and uh, a very warm welcome rahmatullahi to barakatuh. you guys to tonight's sisters. discussion, tonight's public event, online event, uh, on the story of Musa alayhi salam. Um, we want to explore this topic in a little bit of detail because of the vast number of lessons that can be learned from, of course, this story of these prophets alayhi uh from many angles um, but specifically we want to try and tie it to um, our times today our practical times so we can learn some lessons in a practical sense so of course you know we have any number of prophets that we can choose from um, to explore the story of and explore lessons in the life of of so many prophets who live such um, deeply uh, instructive lives but we choose tonight the story of Musa salam, for a number of reasons, um, and they include, you know, many. So Musa salam, was, is one of the prophets who was mentioned the most frequently in the Quran. But even apart from that, if we delve into the story of Musa, salam, we, we learn, you know, that he's unique in so many ways. He's unique with respect to the people to whom he was sent, um, the arrogance of the leader to whom he was sent, with respect to himself and the number of miracles that he brought um, and of course some very dramatic events that took place in the life of musa um, and so we try and delve deep into that and we benefit from the insights that uh, our speakers have to offer for tonight um, we start off inshallah with anas who will give us a little bit about the the struggle of Musa al-Salam with the leadership of the time. And uh, Ramzi, who will give us a little bit about um, how Musa al his life was a spectacle in tawakkul. Um, so of course, there are other matters that our speakers will explore, but I'll leave that for them to do. And I'll pass uh, the mic with that short message on to Anas. Anas, take us away.
1: Barakallahu wa kizakallah khair, Sufyan, for your introduction. Uh, I might start by stating that it's very important for us at this point of time, before we get into the details, to set the framing and set the context right for this discussion. Um, and that is that whenever we come across, whenever we read the stories of the Sahaba uh, or the Prophets in this instance, uh, uh, and today our story is uh, Sayyidina Musa alayhi um, it has to be from a particular lens, and a very particular lens of the struggle between Haq and battle. So this is the overarching context, if you will, uh, for this discussion and for any story and uh, where we have you know for any prophet or messenger of Allah rather for any struggle that we see in the past and present and in the future because this is the you know this is the uh, uh, context this is the everlasting context of the struggle between Haqq and Ba'atul is what dictates the details so this correct framing uh, is something very important for for us to keep in the back of our minds uh, as we go through the story of Musa alayhi salam uh and any other story of the prophets because you know uh, why I say this because otherwise we might we might or we uh we run the risk of missing the entire point sometimes and what i mean by that is let's take a practical example which i myself uh, noticed for instance um which is very common unfortunately in the case of for instance i know it's not the topic today but it's very relevant to the point or to the story that we are uh, uh, outlining today and that is the example of the Hijrah of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu the migration, where every at the time of Hijrah, I'm sure we we all come across talks, uh, Friday khutbah, reminders that focus at this this uh, monumental incident of Hijrah. But the problem with that is the entire focus is placed around the cave and the spider and all the, 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 the that particular detail of the story, whereas. The most important element of that story is entirely missed. Uh, and but if we had the correct framing that this particular event, this is the, the, this event was a turning point in the in the struggle between Haqq and Bartan. This was the single turning point in that struggle. Then we would place the importance and the focus where it needs to be and what this migration represents of a Prophet and Sahaba, being taken from a position of persecution to a position of strength, being taken from a position of humiliation to a position of power, and uh, being taken from a position of defeat to a position of victory, because that's what the migration represents. It represents the the victory of Haq over Ba'atun. That's what migration is about. And uh, and so this is what I mean by saying that we always need to keep in the back of our minds that the stories we come across in the Qur'an, they are not bedtime stories. They are not there uh, uh, just to fill in pages. They are there for us to draw lessons from, to take heed for, from, and to pave our way uh, as we uh, t- embark upon this struggle between haq and battle, because it is the guidance for us. The Qur'an, whatever is in the Qur'an, is the guidance for us. Uh, and this is the important point that we need to keep in mind. Because when it comes to the story of Musa السلام, uh, it, it represents everything to do with regards to the struggle between Haqq and Ba'tun. Due to the numerous times it's mentioned in the Qur'an, the most narrated story in the Qur'an is the story of Musa. Uh, uh, and the second point is, uh, uh, to this uh, overarching objective or context, is that you know a quick glance over uh, societies and uh, whether it's past, present and future, the reality of societies, the reality of the struggle, we find that there are three broad categories of people that we see at every juncture of history. And they are, one, you will find the camp of the shaitan, You will find the camp of Fir'aun. And, and Fir'aun here being descriptive. Yes, Fir'aun is, uh, is the Fir'aun that came at the time of Musa, salam, but Fir'aun later become descriptive to represent every Fir'aun, past, present, and future. Uh, every every person that acts like a Fir'aun, every person uh, acts like and has the same traits as pharaoh in the in their arrogance in their fighting of the uh, fighting the deen of allah fighting the the fighting the the, the people that call uh, uh for for justice and for the deen of allah so the camp of the shaitan are the tyrants the oppressors the, the those the, who 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 hinder people away from the path of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and these are usually you know the the minority. Uh, uh, in minority, one percent to five percent of people, of, of ruling class, uh, the elites, uh, uh, those who stand to benefit from the status quo. So you would find that across all eras, where there's oppressors, there's, there's, there's people around them, again, minority of people that that, that would support that tyranny, materially, uh, morally, uh, because they stand to benefit. They're beneficiaries of the status quo. So that's the that's the first camp. The second camp is, is on the other side of the spectrum. We have the camp of the uh, the camp of, uh, uh, of the camp of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and those are the, the, the prophets uh, uh, and the those who work for change uh, to revive the umma, revive the nations in a way that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are the ones that stand up to the haqq, They are the ones that account the rulers. They are the ones that they call for good and forbid the evil. They are the ones that that lead the work for change. And again, these are, and that's a point of reality. They're not many. they 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 have have not been many, uh, and they have not been a majority uh, at any time. They are always a minority, a select number of people who who embark upon this path because uh, this path, you know, those who embark upon this path, they they would sacrifice anything for the sake of this cause. Again, one to five percent, if you want to quantify it, of people who have fallen in their camp. And the third category is the silent majority, the silent majority, or what you call the masses, uh, and that's that's generally speaking, you know, that's just the general population who who just follows the, follow the status quo, whether it's you know whether they're being ruled by uh, oppressors or uh, rightful people. They are generally followers who are uh, who are passive in nature, just general population who are mainly concerned about you know securing basic ne- basic needs for them and their families, uh, shelter, security. Uh, food and etc. So that's that's just the nature of the, how the world works and the nature of struggle. Whenever you have the struggle, feel haqq and uh then uh, you find uh, this categorization of people, and you find that you find that in the types of the prophets, all the prophets, and you find that today and you find find that until Judgment Day. Now, why do I mention this? First is to understand the sin of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That this is the son of Allah. That's how things work. Uh, there will always be these types of people. And secondly, and most importantly, is naturally, we should, in order for us to ask ourselves, where do I fall in the spectrum? This spectrum of, uh, uh, of people, of categories, wh- where, where is my place on the spectrum? Where do I fall in the struggle? On which camp am I? So, this is an important question that each one of us needs to ask themselves especially in the times where we face today as an ummah, that is very similar to the times that prophets have faced. And we'll come to some specifics today. It's it's Musa Alayhi salam's time. Uh, And again, when it comes to to those camps, for instance, you know, the the camp of the oppressors is not just restricted to the actual, you know, governments or rulers or that one person that rules. Uh, And that's, again, there's a spectrum here. In in that camp, there's a spectrum of people. But, you know, just to give you an idea that scholars of the past they explained that even if you were to sharpen the pencil or wash the clothes of the oppressors and the tyrants you are counted as one of them you're counted as one of the oppressors so the question is today and probably that's one of the takeaway points where do we fall on the spectrum where do we fall on in this equation Uh, you know uh, what do we say about those who knowingly or unknowingly legitimize the oppressors today those who rule us with an iron fist in the muslim world those oppressive rulers, those... uh, So what do we say about those who praise them, who make du'a for them, who accept to uh, have lunches with them, have dinners with them, uh, and take pictures with them? Again, a question for all to answer uh, uh, for themselves. Now with uh, Prophet Musa he was mentioned more than 120, I think 124 times, 125, 125, four times in the Quran, apologies. and there's no other prophet that was mentioned more than him there's no other story elaborated on like the story of prophet musa it is so rich in examples it is so detailed it is so elaborate it has many lessons and reflections for us as an ummah to ponder on and to take the lessons from so that's why we we obviously we won't have the time nor is the intention to go through a detailed recount or narrate the story of musa as he was uh, uh, taken as a prophet for Bani Israel, uh because there's many parts to it and, and and when we look at the story of Musa a great portion of it is to do with his interaction and his struggle with Fir'aun which is more relevant in our context today and for this discussion but there's another conversation to be had about his interaction with Bani Israel, which we won't cover, or cover as much today uh, uh, but the story with Firaun is very relevant to our situation today because Firaun is a symbol of tyranny, dictatorship, and oppression. So, if you wanted to know uh, as an ummah how we would navigate through the struggle that we face today, let's refer back to the story of Musa and see how, how he did it. Because what what he did is, is what the, all the other prophets have done. Prophet Muhammad, first and foremost, who challenged Munkar, challenged the uh, the Quraysh leaders, and confronted the Munkar for his time, confronted Kufr. Uh, just in the same way, same principled way as Musa did, uh, in, a, in a non-negotiable manner, never to compromise, and being patient on the path until Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has granted them victory. Now, uh, again, the, there are many great similarities, and uh, uh, and the intention is to focus on those aspects that we where we find lessons to draw, uh, so as to take uh, uh, the 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 fruits of this discussion. Now. Uh, obviously Fir'aun had so much power and in the in the language of today in the context of today uh, if we want to understand that he was the you can say the president of the leading superpower of the time he had so much power to the extent that he was he was so arrogant he was so arrogant and that's why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us in the Quran how Fir'aun uh, 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 viewed himself he said to his people Ana rabbukum I am your great Lord uh, I, he said to his people, I, I do not know uh, that you have any God beside me. That's how arrogant he was. That's how arrogant he was. And obviously these stories that narrate how he saw a dream and he was paranoid that a child from Bani Israel will be born, who will take his kingdom, so he asked for each male child to be killed, etc. So there's a lot of details there, but what's important moving forward when the mother of Musa gave, him, gave birth to him and she was fearful, for his fate, uh, uh, she was inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to place Musa in a, in, in, a, in a wooden box and put him in the river, in the Nile River, only for him to arrive at the shore of the palace of Fir'aun and only to be raised there, raised in the castle of Fir'aun himself in a great verse, in a great sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, but fast forward, Fast forward, and uh, and and when he was when he killed the person, and he went away, and he away from his homeland to Median and he lived ten years abroad or away from home. He decided to come back for a visit, and then when he was walking back, walking back in 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 Sinat, he got lost, and that's when he uh, went and saw a light. And when he went to the, towards the light, that's when he one of the, the probably the greatest incident uh, that happened in the entirety of mankind where. Uh, uh, between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructed him and gave him the news that he would be a uh, prophet and he gave him the command and he gave him these verses that we read in surah Taha Uh, uh, that I am Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there's no God except me, worship me and establish prayer Um, so in this particular meeting with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala commanded him to go to Pharaoh. In fact, it was the first command, the first command Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given to Musa upon this giving him the news that he has just become a prophet. He has just become a prophet now. Next step was, and the first command is: ila Fira'unna Go to Pharaoh, for he has transgressed." Now imagine that, and that's probably one of the takeaway points here. You know, uh, this we've been taught Islam in a particular way that separates Deen from life, from politics, etc. But here, you can see this, uh, there's no separation. It's uh, th- th- there's no separation at all. And uh, uh, obviously, I'm running out of time, but I will keep this short. So, in uh, a clear sign that the the, the priority where where the priorities lie, we have Fir'aun. We have Pharaoh of the time who challenged Allah subhanahu wa taala in his authority. Who has enslaved the people to him, and then Fira'un was tasked to confront his greatest munkar of his time, just like Prophet Muhammad well, was confronted to, to, to face the greatest munkar of his time. So what do we see then? We see him go back to Firaun and uh, and present the message, the message to him, because Pharaoh inter- interrogated him at that point, he asked him who is your Lord, and Musa replied, and Musa presented the this the miracle he came he came up with which is the miracle of the, you know, throwing the uh, uh, stick, turning into a snake. And here we start seeing some of the traits. And here, I'll probably end on this, uh, some of the traits that we see in Firaun. Uh, and I'll list them one by one, and maybe we can have a further discussion on that. Because these traits are common across all eras, across all the, all the torrents of all the time. Uh, they all share the same traits. They all share the same characteristics and vice versa, what Musa has done on the on the other on the side is something that we and, and those who follow the path of Musa and, and, and all the prophets of Muhammad should follow because that is the guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as revealed in the Quran. So what did Firaun do? He sought to demon, probably two points at a high level. One is he sought to demonize the uh, Musa alayhi salam, and those who are with him. And he, he did that in order to agitate masses against him in order to uh, justify their oppression. So how did he do that? There's a few things he did. One is he accused them of seeking to cause fitna, division in society. So for instance, uh, uh, you know, he, they, would, they, would say, they would say to him, Musa, uh, did you come to expel us from our land through your magic, O Musa? Uh, so here you can see creating the hysteria that would later on justify the oppression, obviously creating lies, because and it happens today creating a hysteria why in order to, to justify draconian laws uh, and, uh, and and uh, persecution and oppression um what else he would delay, he would label them again and one, one other one other uh mechanism that they would label them as as insane as magicians as liars and that's happened to all the prophets and all those who follow the path extremists fringe uh, and many ayat uh, they, would, they would say, say about Musa, they are just you know, these Israelites are just a handful of people they are you know they are uh, they are little they are, they are on, on, on their poor people they are on low end of the scale uh, and the same thing with other prophets you know uh, it was said to other prophets that only the lowliest amongst us will follow you They were, what else they would spread lies against them spread fabrications you know when they say and again tarnish the image of the da'wah they say what did they say? The, that's the imminent, the, the, the chiefs of the, uh, Musa they would say to Musa, uh, sorry, the chiefs of Fir'aun they would say to Fir'aun, will you leave Musa and his people to cause corruption on, in this land? so subhanallah, Musa alayhi is calling, causing corruption while Fir'aun is an upright man uh, and lastly in this category of uh, 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 this point is the pharaoh's point uh, reminding musa of his supposed bounty bounties on him that he enjoyed while under his rule and exclaim that musa owes him something owes him a favor and that's a very relevant point for us today as well pharaoh said to musa Qala, Fir'aun said, Did we not bring you up amongst us as a child? And you remained with us and lived with us for many years of your life? So he's saying to him, In other words, now you're coming to challenge me after we brought, uh, after we, after we brought, brought you up. You know, uh, I'm the one that raised you. I'm the one that fed you. I'm the one that accepted you in my house. I'm the, uh, in my land. And now you're being ungrateful? How dare you! How dare you call me to, to to believe in something else? How dare you accounting me? How dare you say this and that? And this is something very relevant to us today. When when he says something, will oh, shut up! Love it or leave it. Uh, uh, you know all these bounties, all the uh, freedoms, all the uh, all that they you know we we owe. So, but the response of Musa السلام, is amazing, and many lessons in there. He says to him, as for the favor with which you obliged me, so this favor that you raised me in your, in your palace, uh, uh, then Musa said to him, it is that you have enslaved the children of Israel. That is the correct context. He, he, he turned the table on him. So in other words, he's saying to him that the only reason I was in Newcastle, the only reason I was brought up in Newcastle is because of your oppression, because of the oppression you caused to Bani Israel, because of the fee, because of the fee that you instilled in the hearts of Bani Israel. That forced my mother to uh, to, to uh, put me in the, in the river, and I ended up in Newcastle. That's not, the, you know, if it was up to my mother, she would have not sent me to, to be raised elsewhere. And that's due to the fee that you you placed in the hearts of Bani Israel and of the nation. And that's the only reason, your oppression is the only reason, reason that this has happened. So obviously, this is, this is the tactics that were employed by Firaun and his chiefs. And obviously, all this would lead to persecution, and that's the second method. where you know, it could be physical harm, it could be imprisonment, it could be driving them out of their lands, uh, and you name it. And that's the that's the sunnah of Allah. That's the sunnah of the Uh the, How they would how they would uh, tackle and confront those who are uh Ahlul haq But obviously, and I will end with this point: Musa salam uh, 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 sought. Uh, uh, Musa alayhi salam asked his people to as per the ayah of Allah seek help through Allah and be patient indeed the earth belongs to Allah Musa said to his people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes to inherit it whom he wills of his servants and the outcome is for the righteous and obviously the path is one of uh, tawakkul, one of uh, patience and one of taking the means Required in order to achieve that outcome. Aqul Qawli Hadha, Wassalamu Alaikum Warahmatullah.
0: Jazakallah Khair, Anas, for that discussion. Um, A lot of points were raised in that. um, And of course, um, it leaves us an opportunity to reflect on all of them. Um, We we do want to move on to our second speaker also, just before I do that. Um, Obviously, Brother Anas has mentioned some specific points. Um, that will be running in parallel with our next talk as well however our next speaker uh, Ramzi is actually looking at um, is looking to focus on some specific points to do with what I mentioned earlier the mm-hmm. spectacle that we find in the life of Musa alayhi salam, on the on the on the concept and the notion of of tawakkul um, and patience um, in light of some of the most you know, apocalyptic and difficult, you know, life-changing scenarios that this Prophet, um, uh, Ali salam, went through. So that's our first little focus point for the next talk. And then, of course, though our first speaker has mentioned some of these as well, we really want to hone in on some practical take-home points for us to implement from the life of Musa, salam. So inshallah, Brother Ramzi can um, uh, enlighten us on these topics, inshallah.
2: SubhanAllah, no. uh when I when we first uh, when I was first told about this talk, uh and sat down and, and went through some brainstorming ideas and some lessons about what we can learn from the story of Musa alayhi salam, his his mother, um, Banu Israel, etc., even in the in the just in the first phase of his life. Uh, I started extracting many lessons. Obviously, you listen to lectures and, and talks and and other ulama and scholars that have have commented on that. And there's a as a bare minimum, I, I got eight eight um, lessons without even scratching the surface. So Subhanallah, as as brother uh, Anas has mentioned, the Quran in itself uh, is a miracle where you can you can see how this applies to you even after 1400 years after it was revealed and that incident was obviously way before the re- uh, revelation of the quran which is at the time of musa alayhi salam but as uh, as was mentioned uh, inshallah i'll aim to focus on a couple of points namely the tawakkul that we see uh repeated a number of times in the story of musa alayhi salam and also how we how we can sort of draw some practical impl- uh, implementation or how we can implement this quran and how we can see the parallels in our in our day-to-day lives as as we know and as uh, mentioned uh, anas mentioned earlier uh quran should you should always look at the quran is how it can apply to my what what are the lessons how it can apply to my day to day and uh, and that's a very important point because quran is not a bedtime story we read to our children and move on we need to extract these gems and see how they can apply in our lives because ultimately you want this quran to be a shaheed for you yawm al to be a testimony for you yawm al and definitely not against you so um the the focus point on tawakkul the belief in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the reliance on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we we evidently see that number of times but yani the most uh, or the clearest time you can ever see the concept of tawakkul is uh, is in uh, in the mother of musa alayhi salam um, you can imagine how a mother uh, yearns and loves her children even a father obviously but the connection between a mother and a child is completely different because after all she she uh, yeah, the, the 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 child remained in the uh, in the womb um for or the fetus uh like developed in the in the womb for nine months right uh or there thereabouts and she went through the difficulty in uh in nursing him and giving birth obviously in and nursing him and looking after him so the separation for a mother to a, 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 to a child is completely uh, is is a very difficult thing to to uh, to have even in the best of circumstances i recall subhanallah uh, you hear a number of stories where mothers Are dropping off their children to the first day in school and they will be crying much more than the children. So imagine how much, how difficult it was for the mother of Musa to let him go in a uh, a coffin like or a tahabut uh, uh, or a wood and and throw him in the river, subhanAllah, not knowing where he's, um, he's going to end up. And this is what Tawakkul. Um, is all about. It is relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though when you do not know what the outcome is going to be. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us uh, numerous times this this verses has come in a different way. We inspired the mother of Moses, Musa, nurse him, but when you fear for him, put him in the river and do not fear or grieve we will certainly return him to you and make him uh, one of the messengers subhanallah she's given glad tidings similar to how the rasulullah was giving glad tidings to the sahaba in the most difficult of time when they were digging the trench he was telling them that rome will be conquered that persia will be conquered and they are in the middle of a ditch so this is how but can they see materially can materialistically can they see that in front of them they can't see the victory but they know for certain that they, they believe in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then they believe in the messenger wa and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let, let them be will not let them be astray so this is one of the most or the clearest uh, point in when it comes to tawakkul and another point to to keep in mind also when it comes to tawakkul, tawakkul is actually an action in the heart but there's actually um, uh, steps that you have to take when it comes to you have to take by the means and the actions you can't just let it go by that just as a person who relies on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and makes dua just before he enters the exam he or she enters the exam um, they have to have studied before they have to have taken action active steps and this is this goes hand in hand it's not about blind faith in a blind faith quote unquote and letting go without taking active steps so what did she do after that she didn't let him go in the river by like that obviously she took the Precaution marriage to set him up correctly in the first place, right? It's not like she's throwing him in the river and Allah miraculously will um uh, will ensure that he doesn't drown. No, she actually placed him in the in the proper structure and she she let him go. It's in the Nile River, but she also instructed his sister to follow him, to check up on him, to see where he's going to end up, right? And that this is the the part of Ahdub al-Asbab and taken by the by the means um and the steps in in ensuring that whatever. Uh, wherever he ends up um, at least she will know where he is or just to ensure that you know, she's, she's, she's done all she can and obviously she relied on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this story of tawakkul comes in many places in the story of Yusuf uh, of the, uh, uh, and his brothers and etc but also in the in the story of Musa السلام, the, the 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 embodiment of tawakkul comes when they were facing uh, when Faraun and his soldiers were facing uh, were chasing them and then after that, they reach the, uh, uh, the body of water and, uh, and the, uh, his, his people respond, we are indeed perished, we are, we're going to die. What does Musa alayhi salam respond? قال, قال Moses re- reassured them, absolutely not, we will not die, we will not perish. My Lord is certainly with, with me, he will guide me this is the embodiment of tawakkul because he knows who he is dealing with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and equally as as we believe in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let, uh, uh, will not uh let him go astray so this these are a couple of incidents that we can talk about when it comes to tawakkul and i don't want to extend it too further because um again there's there's many lessons that you can take other than tawakkul but i, I thought these two um two points or two incidents in the story of musa alayhi salam we sort of cover on on in terms of tawakul. now the other um the other aspect that i want to cover as well is that you have to um uh, we ha- you have to take the necessary means to the outcome even though it just does not make sense allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could easily um have um uh, uh, split the sea without even any, with, with, with his direct instructions, without Musa doing anything. But what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell Musa to do? Right? Then we revealed to Moses, commanding him, strike the sea with your rod. Thereupon the sea spit, and then each became uh, like the mass of a huge mountain, right? Or a huge mouth. This is the, the necessary means that Musa alayhi uh, salam uh, went about or, or took uh, without, without just waiting and just saying, no, something is going to happen, right? Uh, but this is obviously away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Equally, you have to take the necessary means. You might not see victory in front of you, but you have to take the act- active steps and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will facilitate or will uh, whatever uh, comes from uh, after that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even as we see the people of the ditch um uh, also another story uh, in surah al-buruj in al amma where the people of the ditch um stood firm and they knew for a fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not uh will not uh let them uh يعني, will not uh, they, they 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 what's the word they 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 they'll have the ajr from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whether they, they perish or not and ultimately as we know in Surah al buruj all of them died they were thrown in a ditch and they died but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them indeed this was the ultimate success even that they died yani, if you take it from a material sense they lost everything but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised that no they uh, they gained everything and that is jannah um Again, many, many lessons that we can learn. One of the uh, uh, last points I wanted to um, start to address and, and cover, uh, and as uh, Brother Sufyan has mentioned, is that there's many parallels that you can see um, from the story of Musa, Subhanallah, only as if last week, th- there's another thing that struck me that's so clear that we can see in our day-to-day lives, that is also in parallel with with what we see in musa السلام, and that is the miracle of the quran it applies to all times or places and you can still see the relevance 1400 years until the yawm al qiyamah and that is i could i couldn't help but think of the re, resemblance of when musa the, the the conditions that forced the mother of musa السلام, to throw him in the river what What desperation did she have to go through to throw him in the river? Equally, what desperation do these refugees and migrants need to go through to jump in these tiny boats to sail from North Africa to Europe or to sail all the way, to make their way to Indonesia and make their way to North uh, Australia? SubhanAllah, the difficult situations that they have to go through, what desperation did they have to go through to, to, to leave? And that is clearly the, the construct of the conditions that the, the, the Western world has forced this Muslim world to be in. Majority of these refugees are from Muslim world. Majority of them, if they had the choice, all of us wouldn't really need to leave our countries. Really wouldn't need to leave our countries. We have ample resources. We have ample land. We have ample uh, uh, human capital. If you want to use that word, I don't like that word, but uh, 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 the, the demographics is all favoring the the Muslim world, yet we see them fleeing all that because the Western world has placed uh, these uh, uh, the, the Muslim world in such a desperate situation that the people are fleeing. So subhanAllah, this is a parallel. I, I directly see it. So the migrants and the refugees taking their the, 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 the newborns on on these uh tiny boats half of them are sinking and and you see them in desperation one would think yani who would in their sane mind do that but when you understand the desperation then you understand why the action took place in that uh, particular uh situation and also uh, brother anas has mentioned that the 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 freedom that is afforded to the people in the western world in in our countries here um Uh, and even to us because by by us by the very fact that we live here we are afforded that particular freedom it's all on the back of the enslavement of others it's all on the back of the enslavement of banu israel in the story of pharaon it's all on the back of an enslavement of the muslim world uh, africa the middle east um you know when it goes to uh, central asia and etc this does not come come about like that and i love the the um the, the example that Anas has mentioned or in the story of uh, of uh, when Musa السلام, was facing Firaun, like how on earth, how do you uh, remind me of the favor that you raised me in your palace and your castle when you, the, the very fact that I needed to be there or, or the, 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 the very reason why I needed to be there is that you enslaved Banu Israel and you are killing them. So I, I, I actually like to remind, uh, we hear it from our uncles and, and the older generation, especially the first generation that is alive. Stop talking about this country. It's a beautiful country. They've given you freedom. They've given you the, the, even the freedom to protest or or the freedom to uh, to do anything. There's, there's none of that. Stop talking about them. Stop criticizing them, but not re- realizing the irony here is that the reason why me and you are here and the second generations are here is because... We had to flee our countries. What on earth was Australia doing in the Middle East in World War I? huh what on earth was Australia and, and the rest of the nation doing in Iraq and Afghanistan? Why did the people in Iraq and Afghanistan need to re- run run away from these uh, places these difficult uh, and, in these difficult and run through and go through these difficult situations? Is that because of the of, of the oppression that occurred in these countries? so these are some the, one of the many parallels um uh, yani we can we can take from the story of uh, Musa alayhi and there are many, there are many. And again, you always have to remind yourself when you read any uh, surah in the Quran, or any ayah in the Quran, how can this apply to my to my day-to-day life, and how? what, what are the gems, and, and what's uh, what, what can I use and ensure that, that I apply these ahkam as, as well, if it has ahkam, so the Quran can be a testimony for me Yom al-qiyamah, and not against me. Jazakallah khairan. Inshallah, we can elaborate a little bit more in the, in the Q&A or if there's anyone that has questions uh, or Brother Sofyan, if you're, if anyone has given you any questions
0: um, that you want to ask us, inshallah. Uh, <clears throat> just to unmute myself. Um, yeah, we'll have a look through to see if any questions have come through. Um, if anyone does have any questions, please do post them on the Facebook page. Um, if you have any questions, we can certainly have them forwarded to our speakers for some insights on whatever you have going through your mind inshallah any point otherwise we can just continue the conversation between ourselves as well for a little bit um we we do have a comment i'll read the comment out Uh, there's a comment from brother yahya he says without empathy one cannot understand the desperation of refugees like I think, you know, there was a lot of emotion when you were talking about that example, and uh, very rightly so, because uh, a lot of people have those very, very simple basic necessities of just shelter and safety, you know, just basic survival, forget everything else and just say survival. A A lot of people don't have that. We take it for granted. So these moments where we do reflect on the fact that it's kind of like a timeless lesson throughout history that one person's uh, survival and ability to survive and another person's lack of ability to survive is usually at the expense of like, you know, the power, the power that, that is at that time. It usually comes, um, you know, either um, with the patronage of that leadership or it comes, you know, because the, 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 the power hasn't allowed it to be. So it's so important to put our realities today in that context and look at what are the political leaderships of our time today such as the mala such as the political leadership of the time of musa um you know what are the parallels between them in terms of what they're doing wrong in terms of what they are perpetuating and in terms of what our response should be to that as well um subhanallah um anas you mentioned you mentioned this um really beautiful point um to be honest i'll see if i can take a question out of this but i just wanted to just uh comment on it a little bit and just have maybe have a conversation you mentioned these these some really beautiful um you know snippets like uh, love it or leave it you know bite to bite the hand that feeds you you know and then even this idea it, you brought it to my mind because we studied this in school once this concept of moral panic where the the people in control create moral panic you know, to be able to justify something that they then have to do. Can you? I, I feel like that was probably the most insightful part of your your talk. Could you maybe elaborate a little bit on that uh, yeah. in terms of traits that we find in um, the political leaderships of our time and in previous times? Yes,
1: yeah, sure. and I think that's probably another reason why uh, the term Fir'aun has become synonymous, synonymous with anyone that carries the traits because. Uh, it uh, re- really uh, transfer- passes time uh, and, and place, and anyone who carries those traits, uh, with today, you know, we uh, people uh, automatically uh, call him. A, uh, not that's you know, he's here's another Pharaoh. You know, he's another Mubarak or Sisi or Al Sawaed, because in reality, the anyone who does the same thing as Firaun, he's, he's accepted to be in a position where. You are, uh, you are in the camp of the Shaitan, and uh, you are fighting uh, you know, fighting a battle on behalf of Shaitan, against the haqq, against uh, Islam, against Raheided, against Sharia, and against those who call for uh, uh, those who challenge them in, in terms of uh, authority. Uh, knowing that their the authority is illegitimate in the first place. So they know well they're illegitimate, they know well that they are oppressed, they know well that they're tyrants. they know well that they are dictators and they're, they're not wanted by the masses, but they're still oppressed, they're still um, uh, persecuted. Because, and that's, that's Fir'aun, that's Fir'aun for you. Fir'aun knew he, he was on the, on the wrong side and uh, the Qur'an tells us uh, that because in the end when Pharaoh realized that he it's it's uh, he's he's lost again lost the war and lost the struggle Al uh, and he said now i believe uh, you know he, he he proclaimed that he now believes in the, in the in the in the lord of musa and and the prophets but it was too late and this is similarly it's, it's, it's the same story with these tyrants. They, they they never learn they don't want to learn and they follow the full path of Pharaoh um and that's why they uh, you know that's why i think the parallels are very clear for us and, and and on on that point i think and that's really a point for all of us to ponder on and and that is that we we really live in unique times today you know, you look at the time since since the uh, uh you know uh, since the prophet muhammad sallallahu was was sent until now probably this is one of the most unique and challenging times for for us as an ummah uh, and and that places, Considerable considerable amount of responsibility upon our shoulders uh, uh, to to focus on those aspects that matter most and, and to confront the challenge of our time because you know if we, we know that we know well that you know that that scholars in, the, in our past history were, were known for one particular reason and that is that they they, they confronted the key challenge of their time the key munkar of their time the biggest munkar of their time. And the biggest moonkar of our time is—is is that the same moonkar that was there at the time of Musa and Muhammad him, which is the the kufr has prevailed over, over Islam, and the message of tawheed is only in theory; it's only in the books; it's not implemented. Our role is our role is to confront the, the the evil, confront the battle, and take it here on, and and take the struggle to its to its ends with the with the patience that they the prophets have shown, with the perseverance that they've shown, and with the steadfastness that they've shown knowing that these are the formula for success and for victory.
0: It's not our strength, it's not our material strength. It's actually these things, yeah. Jazakallah khair, Anas. Yeah. Uh, Ramzi, I had a quick one for you, no. uh, Brother Ramzi. Um, you know, you were talking about tawakkul and patience, and I just want to remark on this point that when we when we talk about um, tawakkul and patience, normally what we what comes to mind is it's the opposite of what you were talking about. You know, like, um, tawakkul and patience seems to be something in the modern day that um, is a passive action as opposed to an active one. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, when you maybe because of the way that it's being conceptualized in the modern day, when you think of tawakkul and patience, I don't think of someone who's going up to a a tyrant to account them. Is do you think that that's you know? Is that by by accident that we, we don't marry the two together in our minds today, the way that prophets used to marry them and, you know, the good examples from the past?
2: Okay, uh, SubhanAllah, that's a very good point because, uh, uh, and I don't, obviously, I clearly don't believe that it is, is by accident. It's by intention that um, a, a key concepts holding to account Amr maroof al-Munkar, etc., are sort of stripped away from their essence. Um, he Instead of um, amal Maruf and nahir al-munkar Be wise, right? he Um, you know, uh, as uh, Anas has mentioned, brother uh, Anas has mentioned, don't bite from the hand that feeds you, or don't be ungrateful, or uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember we were holding someone to account, and uh, they say have adab, uh, you know, or or be respectful of the guest. Uh, mind you, obviously it was complete uh respect in terms of um of of the way he's um he's been spoken to there's no yeah. obviously swearing etc like that but it was more like uh no a guest should not you know you shouldn't make him feel uncomfortable mind you there's crimes uh, behind that guest right so um we won't get into too much detail but these concepts are intentionally being skewed to take away the essence to take away the essence of Marufa and Nahil Munkar, to enjoy the good and forbid the evil, you have to have these difficult conversations. Uh, and uh, Brother Anas has also mentioned that these scholars were renowned for a good reason. Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, uh, was renowned for a very very good reason, um, and and he was one of the few scholars that were on the battlefield, encouraging people to take up arms against the Mongols. It was it was a very difficult time. Ahmed bin Hambar, rahimahullah. Um, was re- remembered uh, from the Mihna, from the d- difficult time that he went through uh, regarding the Khalq al Quran and etc. And he stood firm and others took concession. But you don't remember the names, do you? And these concepts, again, um, they're almost uh, taught. They are taught, obviously, they're not, we still know them and still that. But the concepts behind them are just left as theory. Um, no, this applies to them, it doesn't really apply to you now um so so you know just just run away with it and just take it as on face value and don't don't ask too much questions about it and this again is is one of the concepts um that um that people uh, uh, misunderstand thinking that you're a feather in the wind and you just leave everything to the to 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 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when indeed you do you do but you that's only half that's only part of the equation Yani, even the same people that would claim that um ask them you know, would you would you go to a job interview without preparing would you go to an exam without preparing would you do anything without you know uh, would you build a house without really putting together at least a concept in your mind or some blueprints and things like that and and rightfully so they say no you, you won't you'll take by you, you'll take the precautionary uh measures or you take the active steps and then you rely on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very clearly embodied in the hadith that the uh, that uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh, tells us, or uh, or the Sahabi that came to ask the Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, tie your camel uh, and then rely on Allah, or should I just rely on Allah subhanahu wa taala? No, you tie your camel, you do your part, and then you rely on Allah subhanahu wa taala. And that's that's a very uh, these two go hand in hand. And some scholars have mentioned that the tawakkul is the action of the heart, whilst the the, the taking by the asbab and the actions is the actions of the limbs. You mute? Uh, you're mute. Both, yeah.
0: uh, I was saying that's a nice distinction between uh, actions of the limb and actions of the heart um, because that way you can actually more clearly understand that patience is something that you're meant to have you know regardless of whether you're playing an active or a passive role so sometimes patience can be a passive role like don't you know don't make matters worse be patient you know or you know you might make matters in know seemingly worse but that's your manifestation of patience patience will come when the situation gets worse and you have to be patient because of what you've said now um so subhanAllah really nice distinction there i have a question I'll open to whichever of you want to take it this is just something that occurred to my mind while i was um, listening to the talk and that was about um correct me if i'm wrong but we uh we learn from the life of musa that he uh, scholars say that he had a stutter. Am I right in his speech?
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of tafsir uh, for that. And, yeah, yeah. That, that's why he asked her to be to be uh, to be a prophet as well.
0: Yeah, and I, I heard I, I've, I've read in the explanation of that du'a where the Prophet Musa ASS2, says, uh, where when he says the du'a of "Wa amri." And then that, that explanation of the next part, Wahlul الْعُقْدَةً مِنْ Lisani, is actually a reference to the fact that he would stutter at times or he had a stutter. Now, I, I wonder, subhanAllah, because that appeals to the, the human and the emotional side of things as well, where, yes, he might be, not he might, he was, of course, a, a prophet and a great noble prophet, we, which, you know, increases in his status and increases him in rank in the eyes of Allah and in the eyes of all the believers, you know. But at the same time, he's got that fundamental human side to him. The, and, and you know, the fact that he has that, subhanAllah, that element of forbearance, that element that's uniquely Musa, alayhi salam, you know, can anyone remark on that part, how how we can relate to that part uh, of the story as well? I just want to move away from the deeply political or the responding to the tyranny, but also the human side of how he how he had to do it. Anyone want to just comment on that from, from our own readings or, or something?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll have a, a point. I'm not sure if it directly relates, but uh, yani I'll, I'll put it forward. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ultimately knows our weakness. Yeah. Uh, we're human beings. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has brought us to this life. And he knows, uh, uh, yani this is the... Uh, so there's many many minds, many uh thoughts that come to mind. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that what support we need, at what, when we need it, and what type of support we need. Uh we read in this in the same story of Musa alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, kept the 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 the, um, the heart of um Musa salam firm right and i'll I'll try to, to bring the um to bring the verse um what and the heart of uh, Musa's mother ached so much that she almost gave away his identity had we not reassured in her heart uh, uh, her heart in order for her to, to have faith in Allah's promise. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, also reminds um, uh, Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa in Surah al-Isra we read... um uh wa in kadu laftinuna ka anili awhaina ilaika ali taftariya alainah, uhitan la ta'haduka, khalila wa laula and fabatnak a la katkitanu ilay himshay and khale. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, uh telling uh Sayyid Muhammad. Uh, and, and this is the human side of Sayyidina Muhammad. This is the human side of all these prophets and messengers and even the Sahaba. Yes, we look at them at a the particular higher status as they deserve to be, but they're still human. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling, them and, uh, telling Sayyidina Muhammad at, uh, that had we not uh, affirmed your heart or kept your heart uh, firm, that you would have yani, uh, sort of negotiated with them um, i'm not sure if the the help me out with the translation if, if i do it, say it incorrectly uh, you would have given them a concession uh these uh, the Quraysh and the non-muslims but obviously there's no concession when it comes to the deen this is the haqq and this is the baltic right but out of uh uh out of you know elevating the, the 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 status of the muslims out of elevating the the word of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he might have done so but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously says that he has affirmed his heart similar to the way we say anna uh, um musa were her heart was affirmed so she won't uh, give away or uh, give away his identity Musa's, musa alayhi salam so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani, in a way so i think it addresses your point and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows who we are and and our weaknesses and obviously our strengths and knows what is appropriate for us to uh yeah, what what we need at a particular time. I don't know if unless you have any other points to um no,
1: uh, just to add to what you said, I think yeah uh, more specifically on this, um when he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his uh so he actually responded he answered his dua. I uh, removed that uh, uh sort of um say defect in, in his speech. Uh, but nonetheless this did not this would not impact the message and how he conveyed the message because then be Muslim mean in al in conveying the message uh so it would not non, from that perspective yeah um nothing would have uh impacted the message and its uh, its its a transmission I guess to Bani Said and to um
0: we'll might leave it there in terms of our discussion for tonight no. um I, I honestly i was trying to i was trying hard to think of some good questions to grill you guys afterwards but <laughs> i think because of the nature of the presentation where we're already trying to look at practical things that we can take away no. um from it and were some really good lessons for us to focus on inshallah. Um, so we hope uh, our audience did enjoy, benefit from, and learn a lot from the discussion tonight. Um, and we would like to just remind you that we are holding these uh, regular online events. Obviously, we have people joining us from around the world, but Sydney, uh, where we are, um, and uh, Australia generally, as many cities are under lockdown, and so we don't have the same kind of mobility to be able to hold public events you know, in the way that you might be in your own city wherever you might be joining us from. But nonetheless, you know, the work continues. We hope that you can join us um, in this online period with these uh online events. Um uh, alaikum for joining us tonight and thank you very much, to our speakers for joining us uh tonight as well. now Allah reward Allah you all. alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.